Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Salmon Trout Steelheader podcast. And as always, we are happy to have you here listening. My name is Lucas Holmgren, and I thank you for tuning in today. If you could tell your friends about this podcast, we'd sure appreciate it. We're going to have a lot coming up, including some interviews from some excellent steelhead and salmon and trout fishermen who provide additional insight that you may find helpful in your future fishing trips. Without further ado, I would like to read an article by Jason Brooks, a longtime contributor of Salmon Trout Steelheader magazine, entitled Targeting the Travel Lanes. Behind us, I saw another drift boat come around the corner in the pre-dawn light. I told the guys to reel up and sit down as I pulled the anchor as fast as I could and began rowing downriver. I knew of a small cutout in the bank about a quarter mile downstream and wanted to get there before anybody else. About an hour earlier at the put-in, we were the only boat launching, so I figured we had some time to fish our way down. As the morning light illuminated the river, other boats launched, and the early morning race was on to each of our favorite holes. The journey to the launch area was through driving rain, and the windshield wipers on my truck could barely keep up. The night before started off clear, so the river was still in shape, but the water was on the rise. Like all other rivers that are rising, the color would be slightly off and the fish would be on the move. This was why it was so important to get the cutout in the bank. It created a back eddy right along the river's edge that was a few feet deep and lined with grass. As fish move up a river, they often find places like this to rest after fighting faster water. Using the edge of the river, the water is a bit slower and softer, and when the steelhead come to this small back eddy, it is a place they can stop and get their energy back before their trek upstream. After spotting the cut, I positioned the boat so that we could easily throw our baits at the top and let the current take it down to the waiting fish. Even though the water was a bit cloudy due to the rising conditions, it is still important not to park too close to the holding water. After setting the anchor, I rigged up with a floating jig tipped with a piece of cured prawn. Casting towards the grass and mending the line, the float drifted down towards the cut and sucked into the back eddy, where it danced around for a few seconds, and then it went under. We continued to fish this spot the entire day as we watched boat after boat float past us. Each time we asked how many fish they had, and whether or not they were truthful, none of the boats owned up to having anything in the fish box. By the time we pulled anchor and headed for the takeout, we had boated four fish and lost a few others. The concept we were using that day was to intercept fish as they traveled upriver. Fish had to pass by and often rested in this pocket. Unlike most other ways of fishing where you go and try to seek the fish out, instead the idea is to let the fish come to us. This is what I call targeting the travel lanes. With all the hype over drifting beads, bobber dogging, and boondogging, the idea behind fishing travel lanes is to set up and fish one spot when the river conditions are ideal for fish to be on the move. That last part is the most important thing to remember for this type of fishing. We know that the fish we pursue, either salmon or steelhead, are trying to get upriver to a place to spawn, such as a hatchery or tributaries where their reds will be protected from floods. When the river is on the rise, or just after a freshet and dropping, the fish that have come into the river system use the big water to make their way up as fast as they can. 
This past fall, I was fishing the lower section of a river, and as we neared tidal water, I noted that the tide had just changed and was coming in. Soon we were seeing pods of fish going by us in the hundreds. We threw just about everything at them, but as we drifted down, they, they would see our boat and move away, making it almost impossible to cast a bait and position it just right to intercept the moving fish. They only had one thing in their minds, and that was to get up river as fast and as far as they could in the easy water. We finally resorted to standing and searching the water for approaching pods of fish, dropping anchor and timing the cast to their approach, much like fishing the tide flats for bonefish in Florida. We hooked three more coho that day in waters where others were rowing past us to the takeout figuring their day of fishing was done. Targeting fish on the move is hard enough when you can see them, but when water clarity is diminished to a few feet or less, then sight fishing is impossible. This is where knowing the travel lanes ahead of time becomes very important. For instance, steelhead like water that flows at about walking speed, but if the water is on the rise and faster than normal, I look for areas that offer a break, like along grassy banks that are a few feet deep or a boulder to the side of a seam especially if it's during the height of the run timing and you're near the hatchery. Bank-bound anglers have been doing this without even knowing it for a long time. Take the famed Blue Creek Terminal Fishery on the Cowlitz River in southwest Washington. Here, bank space is limited and the prime spots are taken very early. If you spend any amount of time at this location, you will notice guys standing in one spot all day long. Of course, most of the time this is done because there simply isn't anywhere else to go on the bank. But what makes those prime spots so valuable to the bank-bound angler is that this is often an area where you can intercept traveling fish. You can go for a few hours not catching anything and then in a couple of casts you have your limit. You didn't change what you were using, so what all of the sudden caused you to go from zero to hero? Simply put, a school of fish moved in and you were fishing the area they pushed into. For some reason, we tend to forget this method of targeting the traveling. Instead, we float down trying to find a specific fish, targeting them instead of the area. Sure, we look at a seam and say to ourselves, there has to be fish over there, and make a cast. When we don't catch a fish, we move on, but if the fish are on the move, then maybe it's time to drop anchor and fish that seam for a few minutes, or even a few hours. After all, if a fish is in this part of the river and we believe this is where it will either swim through or stop and rest, then patience is the difference between catching that fish and not catching it. Sometimes this is very hard to do, especially in a jet sled where you can move up and down river at will. But keep in mind that if the fish are on the move, then staying put in one spot can be more productive than racing around the river all day chasing after them. For those that often fish out of a drift boat, like myself, this is a bit easier to understand. Oftentimes, I have to come to the takeout at the end of the day with a good hour of fishing time left and told myself how I wished I would have dropped anchor and fished a hole, run, or seam for a bit longer. Instead, I am loading up my boat and making the long drive home when I should be fishing. One often overlooked area to anchor and concentrate a few hours of fishing is where the river is split and then rejoins, especially if this happens to be at the top of a long narrow run where the fish have had to use a lot of energy to get upstream. By rowing back up into the softer water of the adjoining arm or even a back slew, you can cast out into the head of the run. Since this is the bottom end of an island, the fish will stack up and rest before having to head up the drop you just came down. 
One of my favorite ways to fish this is to put the nose of the drift boat out into the main channel, drop anchor, and deploy the plug rods. It really helps if you have oar rights, which steady the sway of the boat from the currents. By having your wall of plugs out at the top of the run that the fish are trying to get up to the holding water, they will be forced to go past the plugs and oftentimes will strike at them. Not only is this a simple and easy way to fish since it is hands off, it is a great time to eat some lunch or enjoy a cup of coffee. As other boats come down river, you already have the spot tied up and hopefully out of courtesy, they push to the far side. In reality, what they also do is to move any fish that might be holding just out of reach of your plugs over to them. Many times I have both caught fish just after a boat passed and also looked back after passing a boat on anchor only to see them frantically grabbing their rod and fighting a fish that we pushed over to them. Targeting travel lanes means spending a lot of time at one spot, which is very hard to do if you're not catching fish. But if it's one of those days where river conditions and run timing puts fish in the river and they are making their way upstream, then a bit of patience will go a long ways to making a productive day. When I find myself getting bored and wanting to move, I ask myself, if I pull anchor and move on, only to have another boat take the spot, will I be upset with myself? If the answer is yes, I stay put. I might change up baits or techniques, like switching from a bobber and jig to a yarny soaked in scent, but staying and targeting the travel lane is what is important. If you know you have the river to yourself, I will shift the boat around a little. I might row up an anchor where I can deploy the plugs or push out a little bit into the current where I can throw spoons and spinners. I have yet to get to the takeout early and fishless and say to myself, gee, I'm glad I didn't waste my entire day sitting in one spot trying to catch fish. So the next time the water conditions have fish on the move, maybe use the anchor a bit more and it might lead to a few extra fish in the box. Another good article by Jason Brooks. Certainly in most water, you want to keep moving. But as he says in rising water with fish on the move, it's good to find a killer area that fish are moving into and moving through and resting just for a moment's notice so they can snap on your bait. Thanks again for listening to the Salmon Trout Steel Letter podcast. Take a look at our website, www.salmontroutsteelheader.com. You can pick up subscriptions from salmontroutsteelheader.com. You can also read a bunch of articles from your phone or computer. And again, like I said, we're happy to have you. We love talking Salmon Trout Steelhead. That is our passion. And if you have anything at all that you would like to hear on the podcast, feel free to get in touch at customer service at amatobooks.com. Go to our website, and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends about this podcast. Thank you.